Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Lindsay Lovell. Lindsay is the co-founder of G6 Capital Management, which is a vacation rental company. She has a portfolio of 47 long-term rentals, 15 short-term rentals, and other various real estate investments. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Can you start by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Hi, Gary. Yes. So G6 Capital is a syndication company that I co-founded with a partner of mine. So far, we've done three funds where we've invested in each fund, various short-term rental homes in different markets across the U.S. And then we also started Wonderless Stays, which is the short-term management company that we then have the opportunity to in-house manage all of those short-term rentals for our investors, as well as outside customers that are interested. And then on the side, I have Paxton Investments, which is my own portfolio that invests throughout the nation in single family homes and small multis. Excellent. Excellent. Well, today I I know that you've done some creative financing and people are always looking to learn more about how to, how to get these deals done because, you know, not everyone has, you know, a million dollars sitting, sitting in their bank account and you've got to sometimes be, you know, creative. And so love to learn more about that. I know you've done some hard money loans. So talk about that and how, how, how you use that to propel your portfolio. Yeah. So hard money loans are a great way. A lot of them will often finance up to 90% of the purchase and 100% of the rehab. So it's a very uh, strong tool to get in and use it for both turnkey or the Burr method, which I think we're going to talk a little bit more about, but I use them often for the Burr method. They do come at a higher rate of interest. So you do want to make sure that you have an exit strategy on the back end, whether it is a Burr and you're going to be able to do a cash out refinance and pay off that part of the loan very quickly, or you have a partner coming in, or you have something else that you're going to be vesting in and able to pay that off. The great thing about working with hard money lenders is that they often, if you're going through an institution, run the deal themselves. It's a great way, if you're even a little unsure of the deal, having them run it to get some insights to see you know, what their thoughts are on the market and how they're feeling about the deal themselves in order to give you money. So they can also be a great partner in underwriting the deals. So you mentioned kind of minimizing your downside risk. 
what got you comfortable? Because I know a lot of people are super intimidated. And, and if you don't have that much experience, then you should get some more experience too before you you take on such a, a high leverage and a high rate loan. But what, what got you comfortable to, to do that? So I run my underwriting very, very conservatively. I play mostly in the single family up to an eight plex is the biggest I've purchased. With the hard money loan, I was purchasing a duplex and then some single families. So when I run my numbers, I take you know the worst case scenarios for rent, for the cash out refi, spend a lot of time looking at what ARV. I also put aside a lot of money for vacancy and maintenance and CapEx. And if it does not come close to the cash flow that I want with that high interest rate, again, it has to be for me, it's a number, it's not emotional. And I think we all know not to get attached to the deal. And so it has to be a calculated risk. There's no way to ever completely get rid of all the risk. But I feel very confident that if I'm running it very conservative, I'd rather take that small risk and know that I did everything I can to make sure it's a smart move and get in the market versus sitting on the sidelines because I wasn't okay taking a calculated risk. Well, I love how you you underwrote it. You know, nothing goes perfectly and that have all these buffers, you know, you know, lot tons of vacancy and construction delays, all these different things cuz yeah, nothing goes nothing goes perfect and usually yeah. there's a lot of obstacles and it's about solving problems as fast as possible. Time is a killer on all deals. So having having that really strong underwriting helps. Do you mind sharing the cost, you know, this typical cost range of, of a hard money loan for you as far as points, are there any exit fees and, and roughly the interest rate you're paying? Yeah. So my hard money loans were still back in a bit of the, the heyday before the, the current market. So my hard money loan, and they do base it a bit on, on credit and experience. My hard money loan at the time was 8.9%. It was a 1.5 origination fee. But I will say, make sure to read the bottom lines, because even though that seemed like a small origination fee compared to some of the other competitors, there were signing fees, processing fees. So it definitely probably came closer to maybe a 2.5 origination fee. There was not a exit fee per se, but there was some, some lenders will have a penalty for an early exit if you don't stay through the six months because they don't want their money constantly having to be turned over and placed, but then they also are going to turn around and penalize you if you go past the deadline that you set. So you just want to be very mindful to the point that you're just talking about of potential delays, taking that into account. I know I do some personal hard money lending out of a self-directed IRA and rates right now for that from you know non-institutional are at about 12% with a 1% origination fee. So I've, I've built some spec homes here and I've, I've paid about the same. We've also gone relationships with a local bank that was a little bit lower, but man, the the time wasted on the draws and getting the draws out. It's like the, to save the thirty thousand. We debate that like it's it's not worth it to have that that hard money lender that's quick with the draws and just keeps things moving. So I know you've developed some relationships with uh, some local banks too to finance some deals. Talk about that. That is probably one of the biggest people on your team that you need to develop that I probably didn't realize when I first started was so critical. I was very lucky to develop a relationship with a local bank in Kansas. That's where I started doing a majority of my investing. But I literally, Gary, I had a list and I went through 
probably 45 no's getting turned down, calling, saying, hey, this is kind of what I'm looking for before I even got to the the bank that I work with now. And they are wonderful in the sense that we've built such a relationship. And I was paying a little bit of a higher percentage fee. But again, it was well worth it because it was to the point that when we put something under contract, they'd order the appraisal. And as long as it appraised, it closed. We didn't have to go back and forth with bank statements or anything like that. And just very straight, simple, easy. But it took time and it took calling around and it took going in person and meeting those local credit unions and local banks. And so that's something really worthwhile to put the the time into and wrapping your mind around. They have the ability to make their own rules and their own regulations. So it can really be relationship-based if you make the effort. I love that. That's great advice for our listeners. You know, there are times when you're going to hit 45 no's and I've, I've been down that road and uncover every stone. Your 46 could be the, the golden ticket. And so you put in the work, you develop the relationships, you found something that worked and it paid off huge dividends. Absolutely. And keep notes. I have to say, you know, for those people that you call back, you may find yourself, you know, back in meetings, financing again, and it's a little maddening to you know, having to go back through those steps again versus maybe you already found somebody that now can fit your needs. So that's my other big tip. Yeah, absolutely. They'll they'll change their criteria. It could be a month. It could be three months. It could be six months down the road. You never know. Yes, keep track of everything. We do, we do that. That's a super great tip. I know you've done some burrs as well. It's kind of talk about that. Yeah, so that's how I first started off. So I'm probably not the only one to say, you know, I'm very, very conservative. I started this off being very, very risk adverse. So the first house that I ever bought was $25,000. So with the intention to burr it. So put in $20,000 into it, and then it appraised for $62,000. So I was on my way. And that's how I was able to, by buying these homes, again, putting the right team in the right place. So that was very important for me to have contractors that I could trust, boots on the ground, and a wholesaler network that I trusted where I could have them working together. Because again, I was doing this all long distance. And when you're working with those small of numbers, there's a small margin to make your burr work. So it was really finding the right team, making sure that again, that I ran my numbers at the worst case scenario, and just not rushing it. Sometimes you just really want to get that deal done and you want to do something. You know, and there's a couple of times that I just was so excited. And you have to have a mind of abundance and realize if I pass on this deal, that's okay. There's going to be plenty more and be patient. So by doing that, I was able to go from zero to 34 doors in a year, just having uh, getting started and using a small nest egg that we had because we did not have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in the bank. And it wasn't until I was at those 34 doors that I had to start using hard money. So you mentioned risk averse, but but also I heard throughout this conversation is is how you've always taken action. And that is so important. I think a lot of people that are risk averse, they get stuck in like overanalyzing and, and they don't take action. And it could be it could be months, years. And there there was a guy we were gonna do a deal with years ago, and it was like, Hey, are you in or you're out? Like we we need to get moving. And he just couldn't, he was just overanalyzing and we we did the deal. We sold it in under under two years. We two x investor money, and that kind of like set us off. And I don't think he's he's done a big deal ever because he's just so stuck in is overanalyzing. I know, you know, and I like to say time in the market is more important than timing the market, and get people to focus on. You know, we all think about cash flow, but there's the 
the appreciation, the tax write-offs, the leverage. There's so it's such a powerful tool that even if the cash flow takes a little bit of a hit, there's so many other ways that you're making up for it that it's even less of a risky investment when you look at it that way. But really it is, I think after taking that first step, people see and then the momentum starts. So any tough lessons you learned from this creative financing? Read the fine prints. I think with the hard money lender, you know, you're going fast, you're trying to put it together, you find a deal. Thankfully, the, you know, kind of hidden fees that were in there didn't break the deal for me. But it definitely, at that point, my investing every thousand dollars counted. And I just didn't like feeling like I wasn't going in fully prepared and knowledgeable. So I would I would definitely say that. And again, that is somebody on your team that you want to have a partnership. So I interviewed a lot of people. And even though somebody might have had maybe slightly better terms, if I didn't feel like I could trust them or connect them or pick up the phone, gentleman that I worked with, the hardest worker, 24-7, great guy that you know I would want to have drinks with outside of business. And for me, I think that's very big. All of these, it's about relationships. And so you've got a lot of different loans, a lot of different properties. How do you keep track of all of this? Do you have a certain <laughs> software? You use Excel? What, what do you use? Yeah. So I started off using Stessa, not realizing at all how big of a passion and what this was going to grow into. I am now paying for the fact that I was a little too stubborn to just hire help and professional accountant and do QuickBooks. So we're moving over to that for all three companies and the different funds. And so I would say the second you start getting near 10 doors, it is time to get into QuickBooks and start using that. I am also a huge advocate of the book and the saying, who not how. And I have completely changed my life balance going from working 16 hours a day on all of this plus my W-2 to having free time by the use of VAs. And again, setting in systems. I mean, I always, always, always run my numbers to include property management, whether I am able to self-manage or not, most of them, you know, I have that. So it's spreadsheets, it's organization, GDocs, and VAs, and taking the time to train them. What do the VAs do for you? Like, what are the different roles? Oh my gosh, it's a it's a, amazing when you find the right one. Right now, I email, hey Ruth, I need win insurance for this property at, on the beach in North Carolina. Please get three quotes for me. I can't remember if these five houses, if Kansas State Bank is escrowing the taxes or if I need to pay these taxes directly. Please let me know. She every month goes through and pays any electric or bills that for whatever reason they don't let us put them on auto pay. You can when you find the right one, they're almost like your right hand running the business. I could go on vacation and I feel completely confident. So I even have gotten to the point where she has access to my bank account and is paying, you know, directly from there so that I am really can be working on my business because I was spending so much time in my business. Wise words. If you haven't read the book, Who Not How, definitely recommend it. Like you said, you can work focus on Focus on your business versus being being in your business. Anything I didn't touch on on creative financing that our listeners should know about? No. Again, it's just numbers. It can be scary because it seems like it's a big number. But if it pencils out, there's absolutely no reason to not give it a try. If it you know, is something that always go with what you can sleep with at night, but it's a great resource. So Lindsay, I asked this of all of our guests, what is your asset management superpower? My asset management superpower, I think, is the delegating. And I think a lot of us that do this were maybe type A, and we all bootstrapped it to start, right? Nobody did that. And I think my asset management superpower is finally having the mindset of 
being okay spending money to to make money. And I think it took a little while. And I still see this in a lot of colleagues of mine that are struggling. And it's like, you really could go farther making that investment and having those systems and team in place instead of really just trying to do it all yourself. Absolutely. I, I fully agree. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you and your companies. Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Zane Lovell. And then we are also at g6capital.com. So that's G-V-I, because we're using the Roman numerals here, capital.com. We are hoping to have some funds coming up soon. So definitely keep in touch. And Gary, thank you so much for your time and hope to connect with some more of your listeners through this. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on creative financing and who not how. This is Gary Lipsky signing off. I'll be back next week with another informative episode on the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. To all of our listeners, thanks for joining us. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and like, subscribe, and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. And if you'd like to learn more about what we do at Break of Day Capital, head over to our website, breakofdaycapital.com and sign up for our newsletter and or fill out our investor application. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.